The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Forum with your host, Seema Vasa. Our program is designed to bring you business tips and success stories directly from the people who are making it happen. If you could use a little motivation and a lot of ideas to help you and your company move forward, stick around for the next hour. Now, here is Seema Vasa. Welcome to the forum. I'm your host, Seema Vasa. Excited to have our get our first guest today, Bobby Rebel. Bobby Rebel is an award-winning financial journalist and the author of the best-selling self-help personal finance book, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, proven advice from high achievers on how to live your dreams and have financial freedom. Welcome, Bobby, to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I know I'm only, the, I think, the third guest, but I'm already such a fan of the show. It's really terrific. And um, your your listeners are getting a treat. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've, I've enjoyed it thus far. I wanted to, I read the book. I love it. I absolutely love the book. It's such an inspiring read. And I found, the one of the things that I found so interesting was, although the title is about financial, being a financial grown-up, there's so many things intertwined in, in terms of being a financial grown-up and intertwined from the perspective of a person's passion and their goals. Um, and I was just curious, what inspired you to, to write the book? You know, I had been a financial journalist for a couple of decades now, and people were always asking me questions that I thought were, the answers were available on the internet or by asking somebody. They seemed pretty straightforward, but the reality is that very often those don't resonate. People don't know who to trust. People are always trying to sell you something. And, and, and frankly, there's a lot of intimidation, sometimes on purpose, from the financial industry. And I wanted to find a way to get this information across in a way that really resonated. My background is primarily in television, and we're all about the soundbite and keeping things simple, easy to understand in a way that people really can absorb it. So I thought about what could I do, and I came up with this story format where I had inspiring people who were successful tell stories as a way to open up a discussion about different financial topics. That sounds great. What a creative way to do that as well, because I think people really uh, are attracted to reading somebody else's story. Uh, and, and a couple of the stories that I found very applicable to our audience are, you know, the one with Cynthia Rowley, the fashion designer, and her concept that there's no right way to be an entrepreneur. There's no predicted formula that you have to follow. Can you tell us a little bit more about that discussion that you had with Cynthia and, and kind of what you took away from it? Yeah, so Cynthia is terrific. She's a designer that's been successful really for decades. So she's had a lot of long staying power, which is not always true. So she is the real deal. She told me a story about when she was just 21 years old. She was still a student um, in Chicago and she was stopped on the L train and someone was just admiring the jacket that she was wearing and asked who designed it. And of course it was her. We know that because it's Cynthia Rowley. And right. it turned out that, but apparently this woman shows you always be nice and talk to people. Um the opposite of what we're told as children. But it turned out she was a buyer for a department store. And Cynthia got an invitation to come to her office Monday morning with her collection. Of course, she had no collection at the time. Right. 
<laughs> so it's a typical entrepreneur story that, you know, you, you, when it's hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And when you least expect it, your big break is going to come. And if you're not ready, get ready. And she did. And in the end, the buyer ended up buying some, clo- you know, first collection. And from there she was off and she moved to New York. What a great story. Uh, I know for a lot of people who've started businesses, you know, it's hard to trust people and hire people that, you know, that they, that they might not know. And, and I know that there's a really telling story in, in the, in the book as well about mixing friends and family. Uh, yeah. Can you share a little bit more about that? I, I know I, I struggle with that because, you know, when you start a business, there's so much risk. You just want to know who you're dealing with and have been at, at times tempted Um, but yeah, I would love to hear your perspective on that. And I think you have a great story in there to share. Well, it's interesting because it makes total sense to hire your friends. Some of the greatest companies were started by college roommates, buddies from elementary school and so on. I mean, that goes to everything. Look at all the, you know, music bands that have happened just from people that are friends. So it always makes sense that you want to hang out with your friends. But when it comes to business, it does get very dicey. And the story that I focus on to lead off that chapter in the book is a very successful serial entrepreneur. He's had a number of successful companies. Right now, um, his name is Aaron Shapiro. Right now, he is the CEO of a digital marketing company called Huge, um, which is a very cool company. I would never be cool enough to work there, Seema. <laughs> but anyway, it's all the hipsters in Brooklyn, and they're very creative, and um, all my babysitters always want to work at Huge. It's a really <laughs> cool company. But he's so. But now, you know, I think he's in his 40s probably. But when he was 24 years old, he launched a company called Silver Pop. It was out of his apartment. And, and this, by the way, at age 24, this is, this is already his second company. Um, but he hired a lot of friends. And in the end, he had raised all this money. But then the dot-com crash hit. And he had to figure out basically what was his lifeline. How much money did he have? How long would it last? Because the funding window was closing or was closed. He wouldn't necessarily be able to get more money in time. And he had to make some really tough decisions. And some of that involved friends. And, you know, he made a really tough decision and he had to lay off people that he really cared about in order to save the company. But that allowed the company to survive. So he had to make these tough decisions. And these kind of decisions get really tough when they're personal also. Right. So you have to be very careful when hiring friends. On the other hand, they can be your best allies. And, and you do often get a better sense of loyalty with your friends. And it's more fun to work with friends generally. But the consequences are real. Right, right. So it, 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 in talking to Aaron, were, would you do it again in terms of hiring friends? Or, or is it just a cautionary, be careful in, in terms of hiring friends? I think it's a little more complicated than that because also Mm -hmm. your business colleagues become your friends. So as you get older and move through life, the lines are not as clear. So a 40-year-old Aaron might be hiring someone that he has done business with that he's now a friend. So I don't want to put words in Aaron's mouth. And we didn't, I didn't necessarily talk to him about that. So I could only speculate as I just did. But, um, what he does talk about, because every, I should say every person, and I call them role models, I ask them their story, but I also ask them their lesson. So Aaron's lesson, he talks about the, being honest about, you know, how, about your company's real situation, your company's real financial situation. Um, a lot of people get swept up with the hype and they might overhire when they're launching a company. They want to look big mm-hmm. so they can get more attention and get, maybe if you're bigger, you might get more money. But at the same time, you have to really think carefully about your costs and not always be as concerned with the hype. Right, right. That's kind of his lesson is, is you know, be true to your company's growth plan, not as much about making it yourself look artificially larger than you should be because the payroll is very real. 
Yeah, I, I think I think when I read it, it's, it's be honest with yourself. Don't don't buy into the hype. Stay grounded. Be humble. Right. I mean, he he's witnessed a lot of companies that overhire early on, and then you're restructuring at a time when you should be growing, and you might not have the right people for where your company is going, the right skill set, and it gets very tricky, and it can hurt morale, it can hurt profits, it can be a very dicey situation to be in. So if you can avoid it and be more strategic and more thoughtful. When you're hiring from the get-go, I think that's his lesson. And when you talk about, uh, you know, some of the other entrepreneurs and business leaders in the book, as you look at kind of general themes, do you see a pattern in terms of things that they gravitate towards as it relates to why they became a entrepreneur or business leader? Did you see some common themes there? I think the most common theme, Seema, was that they were all informed by things that happened in their childhood or growing up or as they evolved in their growing into young adults. So, for example, Elle Kaplan, who started her own um, Wall Street firm, Lexion Capital, she was very um, moved when her father died and her mother was left not really knowing what was going on with her finances. And so she wanted to start her own financial company. Alexia Bruet um, had cancer in college, Hodgkin's disease. And so from that, she decided to form a wellness company and that became Well Plus Good, which is a very popular newsletter and wellness media company. So I think that we all, and, and it makes sense, we're all informed by our own experiences as we evolve into grownups and that often leads us to what we want to focus on as entrepreneurs. That's interesting. I, I would I would tend to agree with that. I think I think many people go in with the idea of, something that's moved them or shaped them in some way to then say, you know what, I can actually make a difference here or um, make a change in the world. I, I think many people are self-motivated that way. And I know that you've become a recent entrepreneur yourself. It's so funny because, Seema, we talked about this interview a little bit ahead of time because we both like to prepare, which is a big thing, always prepare. Yes. Yes. Um, so I always make sure to tell people we prepared. But in preparing, it occurred to me that I am an entrepreneur now because I had been an employee of a major media company my entire life until a couple of months ago, um, first starting with CNBC out of college and then most recently with Thomson Reuters. These are large, massive companies and I always had just a regular paycheck. And what I'm learning that really took me by surprise was how much is involved in sort of running your own P&L. I had to figure out how am I going to do my accounting? How am I going to do my billing in a professional way? I had to have logos designed, have my website built, all these startup things, which you kind of take for granted when you're just an employee. You don't worry about that stuff. You just file your expenses in the corporate expense system, whatever it may be. But there was a lot of different things that go on behind the scenes structurally in being an entrepreneur that have taken a lot of time, frankly, in the first couple of months. And it's been really tough because... In a good way, I've had a good amount of business, which I've been happy about, but it's been a struggle to get all these behind-the-scenes stuff set up of my sure. me, my little media company that is has one employee. <laughs> that would be me right now. But it's a lot of fun, too. I'm really excited for what's in the future, and it's been a lot of fun. That's great. That's great. And I, and I, and I think it, it would be wonderful to uh, learn from you, Bobby, what inspired you to actually take the dive. You know, you, you were working at a very reputable firm, established, and, and, and all of a sudden you said, hey, listen, I'm going to go do this. What inspired you to do that? Well, on a quote editorial level, I wanted to be able to get closer to my readers. I wanted to be able to go out and do speaking engagements and work with companies and really get my message out. And there's only so much you can do when you're also working a very demanding full-time job. Sure. So that was my initial 
feeling. But I also, as I wrote this book, I started listening to my own advice. And I love being a journalist, but being a journalist for a major corporation, there is a limit to how much you can earn. And so I'm also betting that my earning power as a speaker and as an author and as an entrepreneur will be higher because I am limited. And the salary that was great when I was single, now I'm married, I have three children and a dog um, and a wonderful husband, but our expenses are different and I would like to earn more money. And so that's also a drive and I don't think that we should all apologize for that. I have a chapter called Careers Are For Making Money. And I think it's really important that we follow our passions, but if our passions are not giving us the income to give us financial freedom, we may have to separate them and do our job and career for income and then separately have our passion. And that's that, okay. That, I, would, I would say that is the crux of being a financial grown-up, knowing exactly. that difference, right? So yeah. I took my own advice. That's fantastic. It's, you're, you're walking the talk, right? Um, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Bobby more about her book, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Don't fly blind. Blink Insights provides valuable research to support more informed business decisions. We have walked in our clients' shoes and understand their challenges. We will work with you to understand your information needs and deliver actionable results through innovative and cost-effective solutions. Blink Insights will partner with you to help you make strategic decisions about your brand and better improve your positioning, your product and service development roadmaps, and your delivery to customers. We work with a variety of clients. Call us today at 516-494-0077 or visit blink-insights.com. Starting, building, and growing a company is hard in itself. Doing it on your own is even harder. You need a partner on your side who can help. Infinity Squared Ventures works with you to understand your goals and design options that can help you accelerate your business. We have creative ways of working together that allow business leaders to still realize their visions. Visit infinity-2.com and let Infinity Squared Ventures get started with your company. That's infinity-2.com or call 516-591-0270. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Forum with Seema Vasa. To talk to Seema or her guest this week, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at infinity-2.com. Now back to the program. Hi, welcome back to the forum. Seema Vasa, your host. I am talking to Bobby Rebel about her book, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And before the break, we were just talking about 
that moment when you make the actual decision about following your passion, which might be a great thing to do, but it might not derive the income that you might desire. So you actually have to separate those two decisions. And and actually during the break and, and during our conversations, Bobby, you came to some revelations as you thought about the book. It's interesting because the book came about in a very um, authentic way, which I love, where I was just asking people and I didn't know what I would get for their financial grown-up moments and for the lessons that they learned. And part of the the message of the book was that it was sort of experimental. I just was going to see what I would get. And it's kind of a lumpy book. It's got more emphasis on certain things and other things. But a theme that I had not really noticed until you and I talk, so you get the credit for this, is <laughs> that is that a, a lot of these a lot of these role models are really entrepreneurs. And I think it says something about, you know, where you can find success and how important entrepreneurship is if you want to be financially successful. It's key. I totally agree. And I also think another, what I've learned from some of the interviews I've done thus far and just talking to fellow entrepreneurs that it, it also is not just financially oriented, but it is also control of your time and yes. being able to kind of define when you want to work, how you want to work, and being able to balance the other priorities in your life. I think that's absolutely true. And I think when you look at the people in this book, they really embody that. I mean, the ultimate entrepreneur really is Tony Robbins. He's terrific. And he, you know, he really came from nothing, truly nothing, and just decided to build this business inspiring other people. And, you know, he is truly in control of his time. He now, you know, he owns an island in Fiji. That's so amazing. nice. So, he could, so when he has his downtime, he's got a nice place to go. But, you know, Elliot Weisbluth, he founded um, Hightower. Heather Thompson, she has Yummy Tummy. Um, and, you know, we mentioned Cynthia Rowley before the break. We also had John Stein. He founded Betterment. And that was the case where he really saw an opening in the market for a product that he wanted. And it yeah, wasn't but, there. Right, right. So it's a reaction to something that wasn't there and it, that motivated them to motivated him to become an entrepreneur. Exactly. So, you know, that's certainly a very inspiring story. But the book is really full of entrepreneurs. And I think that's an interesting underlying theme that was unintentional. But when you take a step back, it makes perfect sense that some of the most successful people would be entrepreneurs, because that is often um, a very good way to success. Did you find, and maybe this was not covered uh, in your research, but I'm curious if you found any common themes in mindset among the people that you interviewed or talked to? Were there common themes? Sorry, go ahead. ahead. I just just think that there's a no excuses drive to them. So they have to, you know, they do what they have to do. Um, Right. um, So I just find, I'm just going to pick up in case we want to cut that out. So I do find that they are uniquely driven people. I mean, Tony Robbins, who I mentioned before, you know, he's no excuses. He doesn't want to hear about having a different, you know, income or I'm sorry, a different starting point or whatever it is that your excuse may be. He was like overweight in a little studio with no money and he made it. So these people had many obstacles. Um, Alexia Brouet, who we talked about, she had cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty big obstacle in my mind. Absolutely. So um, they really had no, had a no excuses philosophy and just decided that nothing was going to get in their way. I mean, Aaron Shapiro had many different startups and he just kept going. Um, d- despite varying degrees of success, he kept going. And now with Huge, he's really huge. Yeah. He's doing great. And, and so. did you find that when you talked to, like bringing it back to the financial side, were there any, were there any stories or people or role models, as you call them, uh, that s- stuck out in terms of you know, the financial risk that they took. 
to start their company and and just being driven to say, I'm not going to look at failure. I'm going to, you know, take out a loan or take out, you know, use all my savings to start a company from a financial perspective. Well, I did not, truth be told, I did not get into their personal finances for this book. So I don't want to speak to that. I I don't really know. I know that they are as a group risk takers. I mean, you know, but Jim, Jim Cramer is a great story. Um, He was robbed when he was, he, he had been a journalist. Right. And as we've talked about, journalism does not pay well. And he he had had um, he had been robbed when he was uh, covering a story. And basically they took everything. He ended up sleeping in his car and he made the decision that he was just going to make money. And that's what it was going to be about. It's going to be about making money. So he started um, this. Well, first he started a hedge fund and then later on he started the street.com, which is still going today. And I think that was informed by his desire just to, you know, be financially independent and not be just getting a salary as a journalist. He wanted, he was just motivated to create something unique. That's fantastic. That's great. And, and so Bobby, what's next for you? What are you thinking in terms of next on the horizon? So I have a number of projects. I am out there speaking at various conferences about um, financial grown-up and hoping to inspire anyone, but also especially young people and especially young women, um, to get control of their finances and simply pay attention. Because if you're making decisions and they're not the best decisions, at least you're making decisions. So if you're putting money into investments, but maybe you don't pick the best stock, that's okay. You'll get it right next time. But it's important that you automate everything and get everything in place and at least be cognizant and deliberate in making financial decisions earlier in your life. And I'm also doing some conference hosting. Um, I am working on my next financial grown-up project, which is a a multimedia version, basically. It's a documentary where I'm interviewing people about their financial grown-up moments on video, and it'll come together as a documentary in 2018, along with a book. And I'm working, I have a certificate in financial planning, but I'm also going to hopefully soon get my official license so I can actually work as a CFP in addition to talking to people about money, because I have the certificate, but I don't have the license yet. They wouldn't let me take it as a journalist, believe it or not. (laughs) So now I'm going to take it. Good. And you'll have the time. You take can control test. your time and figure out when to take the test. Exactly. I'm curious. I'm curious. One thing I did want to touch upon, you and I spoke about this and, you know, um, many of your talks are targeted to younger people. And what do you, what do you find among younger people that is, you know, in terms of their financial mindset, is there an opportunity there to really kind of enhance and help um, younger people? I know we've done a lot of research on millennials and they're debt ridden and they have student loans and they want to travel. What's your, what's your perspective on on the younger generation as it relates to financial management? So I think the um, intent is there. I think they're a lot more aware of finances than Gen Xers like myself. So on that point, that's a good thing. Unfortunately, the reason that they're more aware is because they are, in so much student debt, and they've also witnessed the Gen Xers and the problems that we had, like right. building. We were shoppers. I mean, we used to go to the mall. We would rack up credit card debt, um, and so on. So they've seen the mistakes, and we also were hit by the recession and our stock market, our stock portfolios cratered. So they're very hesitant to invest, which is worrisome because they do need to be investing earlier because it's so much easier because then the compounding does all the work for them. So we need to motivate them to invest. We need to motivate them to automate investing. We need to motivate them to work on their credit scores because very often um, they don't want to get credit cards because they know the dangers, but they do need to have enough of a credit score so that when they want to buy a home or whatever it is, even a car, they have that track record. 
So unfortunately, they, they're aware for the right reasons, but they're also, the reactions make sense, but they can be detrimental. Yeah, it makes sense. Everything and I, makes sense. It does. I, I think, you know, honestly, with, with having so much debt as a, as a person coming out of college, you really have to be motivated to kind of say, I'm w- going to put a game plan together and, and try to get out of the situation and, and save and, and plan accordingly. I, I totally empathize with the, the generation because it, it can be overwhelming. And the older ones, the older millennials graduated into a recession, which is really tough. And, and it'll be hard to ever make up that ground. It's That's tough. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But we're rooting for them. Yes. Yes. Well, I think as employers, as business leaders, you know, there can be creative ways to help the younger generation to save money and to encourage saving. I know that we've done some seminars to help our employees understand the value of saving early. Uh, because as you said, it does compound and, and it makes a huge world of difference. Yeah, and I think it's important for whether it's HR managers or just older people in the company that have more experience to really get in there and talk to them because there's nothing like having somebody actually say to you, are you fully matching the 401k company match, whatever it is, because when you confront them, they will take action. When I do these talks um, to companies, results happen. People come up to me and say, I changed it. You know, I'm changing my allocation, whatever it may be. So, but you, you know, it, it's a lot more impactful if they're just called out in the sure. nicest way and saying, "Hey, are you doing this?" Just to know someone cares, someone's watching. Right. Otherwise, they might just not do it. So, Bobby, where can people find your book, and how can they get in touch with you? So, my book is at most bookstores, or also on Amazon.com. And go to my website, BobbyRebel.com. Sign up for my newsletter. Follow me on Twitter at BobbyRebel.com. Instagram, BobbyRebel. One is Instagram. <laughs> Sorry, I said Twitter. Twitter's just Bobby Rebel, not BobbyRebel.com. And Facebook, my author page, which is also Bobby Rebel. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was very thank helpful. You. And look forward to hearing more about your new projects. Thank you so much, Dima. Thank you. And after the break, we're going to have Julian Keel. He's a senior writer at The Points Guy. Uh, he will be sharing with us some interesting tips and tricks on how to maximize our travel points. Look, look forward to talking to you guys when we're back at the break with Julian. Thank you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Starting, building, and growing a company is hard in itself. Doing it on your own is even harder. You need a partner on your side who can help. Infinity Squared Ventures works with you to understand your goals and design options that can help you accelerate your business. We have creative ways of working together that allow business leaders to still realize their visions. Visit infinity-2.com and let Infinity Squared Ventures get started with your company. That's infinity-2.com or call 516-591-0270. Don't fly blind. Blink Insights provides valuable research to support more informed business decisions. We have walked in our clients' shoes and understand their challenges. We will work with you to understand your information needs and deliver actionable results through innovative and cost-effective solutions. Blink Insights will partner with you to help you make strategic decisions about your brand and better improve your positioning, your product and service development roadmaps, and your delivery to customers. We work with a variety of clients. Call us today at 516-494-0077 or visit blink-insights.com. 
Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. are listening to the forum with Seema Vasa. To talk to Seema or her guest this week, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at infinity-2.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back to the forum. I am now here with my second guest for today, Julian Keel. He's a senior writer at the Point Sky. Julian's learned the ins and outs of travel, loyalty programs while flying more than 200,000 miles a year as a TV producer and director for the World Wrestling and Entertainment. Welcome, Julian. How are you? Thank you, Seema. I'm good. How are you today? Good, thank you. I I can't imagine traveling 200,000 miles a year. That's, That's crazy. It, it is. It is a lot. I uh, I didn't do it for too many years. It's uh, it is a little tough on the body and on the mind. But I I enjoyed it when I did it, and I also learned a lot about frequent flyer points and miles, which is what led me to where I am today. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about the points guy. I'm not sure if everybody in our listenership knows what that is. It'd be great just to give a background. Absolutely. The Points Guy at thepointsguy.com is a website focused not only on loyalty points and miles, being airline points, frequent flyer miles, hotel loyalty points, but also on travel in general. We do a lot of uh, stories about, uh, a lot of reviews of flights, of hotels, of destinations. It's sort of a place that you can go and get a lot of different travel information, rather regardless of whether you're traveling personally or for business. The uh, uh, points guy himself is Brian Kelly, and uh, he started the site a number of years ago, actually seven years ago now, and it's grown into one of the biggest, if not the biggest, sites on the Internet when it comes to frequent flyer programs. That's very cool. I know I've referred to it many times. And the information is always helpful. Uh, One area I wanted to kind of kick off on is, you know, we had Bobby Rebell in the first segment, and she she had said that Tim Chen, the CEO of NerdWallet, actually was helping his sister find the right credit card. And he was surprised to have found that there were 400 credit cards that he needed to evaluate for his sister. By the way, that was a (laughs) nice brother. But, you know, as we look at these credit card offers, they're they're so hard to dissect. And obviously, travel is such a key thing for many people, and those points matter. Is there a framework that you would consider or recommend as you think about these offers that you get from credit cards? Yes. The thing to do, if first of all, is decide, is travel something I'm interested in? Because, as you mentioned, there are many, many credit cards out there. Some of them offer things like cash back or rewards for non-travel things like merchandise, whatever it might be. So the first question is, do I want to travel? Is that my interest? If it is, then what we recommend for a framework is actually working 
in reverse. Rather than collecting a specific type of point, whether it's a hotel point or an airline point or whatever it might be, ask yourself, where do I want to go? Basically, start at the end. Where exactly is it that I want to take that free trip or, or very close to free trip? Subsidized, and right. And how do I want to get there? Do I want to go in first class? Is that important to me? Or, or is economy fine and maybe I can get there, you know, faster on points? That's, the, that's where you start. And then once you figure that out, you just figure out what kind of point will accomplish that. And then you get the credit card that will get you that kind of a point to get to your goal. Gotcha. And are all points the same? Is it, is the, I know that sounds like such a basic question, but the value of <laughs> It's a currency in itself, and I'm just curious: is there, a, you know, differences in the value of the points? Absolutely, yeah. No, all points are absolutely, definitely not the same. In fact, at thepointsguide.com, we have a monthly series that's called our points valuation, in which we go through all of the major travel reward currencies, whether it be American Advantage Miles or Chase uh, Ultimate Rewards. We go through every single one of them each month and put a value on them in in dollars and cents, in, in U.S. currency, so that you can really see which points are the most valuable and which are maybe not worth collecting. Okay. All right. So let's say I, I've always wanted to go to Costa Rica. That that's that's a trip that I definitely want to go on. Mm-hmm. Now that I picked the destination, just if you could just take us one step further in terms of trying to figure out, okay, now how do I figure out what points I need? Sure. What would I consider? So, sure. Uh, uh, what you want once you've decided where you want to go. In this case, you'd, you'd say Costa Rica. Then you next want to take a look at who exactly goes to Costa Rica, who flies there, based on. Um, uh, based on where you're coming from, if you're coming okay. from New York or Los Angeles or wherever it might be. Right. Uh, so what you want to do is go to a just a straight-out flight search engine. It could be a place like Expedia or Orbitz or Google Flights is what we tend to use uh, here, and okay. find out who, who actually flies from here to there. Once you know which airlines that is, uh, right. then you can say, okay, what kind of points will get me on that airline? If it is something like, say, Delta Airlines, you could collect Delta miles, sky miles, but you might also consider who else, um, what other kind of points can turn into Delta sky miles. For instance, American Express has a uh, currency of their own called membership rewards that you can then convert into sky miles. So that's the way you reverse engineer it, basically, is figure out where you want to go, who flies there, what kind of points do I need to get on that airplane? That's great. That's, that's, I'm going to use that advice. That's very good advice. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I'll have you back when we go to Costa Rica, or at least email you. Uh, so <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about the different players in the travel value chain, if you will. You know, I, I know that there's these online resellers that sell you points, and then there's the hotel, there's the hotel um, brand and the airline brand. And it, it can be very confusing as to, you know, do I buy direct? Do I go through an Expedia? Do I go direct to the airline? Do you have any thoughts on that as it relates to where you purchase and how do you maximize points? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question because there are so many places that you you can buy an airline ticket now or or book a hotel room. Uh, and what you need to do, and we do have a lot of 
information about exactly this topic at thepointsguide.com. But really okay. what you need to do is do your research. For instance, if you're booking a hotel room, you can book it, say, say you're booking a hotel room with, uh, let's say, Hyatt. Uh, okay. You could go straight to Hyatt.com and, and book that room. And Hyatt, if you're a member of their World of Hyatt program, uh, you, you can probably even get a discount because they want you to book it directly with them. But on the other hand, if you went to a travel agency, an online travel agency like Hotels.com, well, Hotels.com has their own loyalty program in which you earn basically, once you've earned 10 nights, once you've spent 10 nights booking through Hotels.com, then you get one night free at the average price of those 10 nights. So effectively, you're getting 10% back of each stay in a hotel room at the end of 10 nights. So at that point, you can say, well... Is it worth getting 10% off at Hotels.com, or is it worth getting whatever the discount Hyatt is giving me at Hyatt.com? And then that's how you can make that decision. That's great. I know that we're seeing um, in, in our research a lot of millennials traveling and you know, kind of prioritizing their spend towards travel. Are you seeing some of those same kind of trends as it relates to, you know, people looking at points and, and trying to optimize points for travel? Is that, a, is that an avenue that you're seeing a lot of millennials use in terms of funding their travel? Absolutely. Yeah, we, 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 the points and miles are, are more popular than ever when it comes to travel, uh, and, and that's why we, we always have plenty to write about because also things are constantly changing, which is why it's, it's useful to check on our site on a regular basis. But what we also know, a big trend in points and miles is that it's, it's no longer about frequent flyers. It's really about frequent spenders, meaning that Miles and points aren't earned like they used to be from flying from New York to Los Angeles and getting 2,500 miles. Most programs now, when you fly from New York to Los Angeles, you're getting miles based on how much you spent on that ticket versus how far you flew. And as a result, in most cases, unless you're spending a lot of money, you're earning fewer miles than you used to. So how do you make points and miles nowadays? Well, the key way is through credit cards. If you're not putting uh, your daily expenses on a credit card, things that you would buy anyway, not things that right. you would buy because you have a credit card, <laughs> things that That's you right. know are in your budget and that you can pay for and that you are simply putting on a credit card instead of paying cash. That's how you, you build up miles and points. That's how you get that free travel. You have to be responsible with it. It is credit cards. You have to know what you're doing and be disciplined about it. But that is really for millennials and really people of all ages, that's the new way of, of earning these points and miles for travel. That's interesting. So you're really saying that the points are coming from the credit cards primarily, not necessarily just the flight itself when people are traveling. Correct. In fact, I believe the statistic is something like 60% of all points and miles are now earned not from flying. Wow. And I know, do you, you guys have a ranking of the best offers in terms of credit cards and points, correct? We do. We have a, that's another monthly series we have, our top cards. Uh, so if it's June, we have our top cards for June. You can find that pretty easily at thepointsguy.com under our, uh, there's a tab that says top cards. And uh, that's where we rank from 1 to 10, the, the top credit cards that are available 
in that given month, and these offers change monthly. Uh, the banks are constantly playing with how much is the bonus sign up, what are the perks on the card. They're they're constantly uh, making adjustments to those. So our our list really does change fairly uh, uh, significantly each month. That's great. And and any tips? I'm going to start you off on this question, but we might have to break in a, in a few minutes. But any tips on how to keep track? Like once you sign up for a credit card. You know, there's the annual fees fees that come in 12 months later. You get the first, if you spend a certain amount in the first three months, you get your points. Are there tricks and trades of how to keep track of all that before you get hit again with the annual fee? Definitely. I, and there, there's a couple of important things to note. First of all, there's, there's two different aspects of the program. And we'll, why don't we talk about one of them to start, and then maybe when we come back, sure. we'll talk about the other. The, as far as credit cards go, you'll want, you, what we do is we each keep a spreadsheet, quite frankly, that lists our cards, our annual fees, the date they're coming due, so we know, and, and our spend, how much we've spent to get the bonus. But uh, here's a little trick. When that annual fee hits on your statement, with most banks, you have 30 days to call them up, and if you don't want to pay that annual fee, to either close the card and get it refunded or maybe convert the card to another type of card at that bank that doesn't have an annual fee. And usually within 30 days, if you do that, within 30 days of seeing that charge, they will refund it and and put you into either a no annual fee card or, or you can close the card. That is really good advice. I I did not know you could do that. It's very helpful to know that. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Jolene's going to talk to us about some more tricks and tips on how to maximize our points. See you after the break. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Don't fly blind. Blink Insights provides valuable research to support more informed business decisions. We have walked in our clients' shoes and understand their challenges. We will work with you to understand your information needs and deliver actionable results through innovative and cost-effective solutions. Blink Insights will partner with you to help you make strategic decisions about your brand and better improve your positioning, your product and service development roadmaps, and your delivery to customers. We work with a variety of clients. Call us today at 516-494-0077 or visit blink-insights.com. Starting, building, and growing a company is hard in itself. Doing it on your own is even harder. You need a partner on your side who can help. Infinity Squared Ventures works with you to understand your goals and design options that can help you accelerate your business. We have creative ways of working together that allow business leaders to still realize their visions. Visit infinity-2.com and let Infinity Squared Ventures get started with your company. That's infinity-2.com or call 516-591-0270. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 
888-484-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Forum with Seema Vasa. To talk to Seema or her guest this week, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at infinity-2.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back to the forum. I'm Seema Vasa. I'm here with Julian Keel. He is the senior editor at The Point Sky. And we are, just before break, we were talking about some tips and tricks as to how to maximize and manage your points as it relates to these different credit card offers and even uh, airline points and hotel points. So, uh, Julian, you were you were you gave us the first tip, and uh, we'd love to learn more about other tips you might have that our uh, audience can maximize from. Absolutely. Yeah, before the break, we were talking about how do you keep track of all the credit cards and and annual fees and things like that. The other part of the equation, though, is how do you keep track of the actual points and miles that you've earned once you've earned them, especially if you're like us at the points guy. A lot of us have maybe points in 20 or 30 different programs. Uh, what we use here is a, uh, a so- an app and a piece of the software called Award Wallet. Uh, you can find it at awardwallet.com. The basic service is free. They have a slightly more advanced service for just a, a few bucks. And what you okay. do is it takes a little time to set it all up, but you put all of your frequent flyer program information into Award Wallet, and then it automatically keeps track of it all. It'll send you emails if your points are coming close to expiring in a certain program. It'll let you know when you've gained points, when you've spent points. It's a, it, it'll keep track of all your passwords for all these various frequent flyer programs and hotel loyalty programs. Award Wallet, uh, it's tied into all of these different programs, uh, banks, hotels, airlines, almost anything you can think of, even Best Buy reward points they even have on there. So uh, that's really like a great uh, clearinghouse, a great free way to keep track of all of these different loyalty currencies. That's great. I, I know just even keeping track of the passwords and usernames is torture. So this, yeah, this sounds like too. a great solution. <laughs> Everyone's got a different requirement on, on what kind of password you can have. So That's great. Uh, so tell us more when you think about when when you think about um, the different points. So when you think about companies using 
um, points. Are you seeing small businesses, entrepreneurs using points as a way to fund travel for employees or is it kind of a side benefit? Do you have any insight into that? Yeah, companies do use uh, points for uh, employee travel, but what, I, what I've really seen even more so is companies, especially small companies, using points to reward employees with ah. special travel. Uh, I was actually coming back from uh, Europe uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and I was flying uh, from Frankfurt in uh, Lufthansa up in first class, and I was sitting, uh, a guy sitting behind me, uh, he was there, he, he was in first class because his boss had redeemed his American Express membership reward points in order to get him up there up front with the Lufthansa first class is one of the very best ones in the world. It's a, it's a terrific product. And that's how he had rewarded this employee who had to go on this very long business trip, I, I believe, through Europe and Africa. He said, uh, since you're going on this trip, I'm going to use my points to put you up front on the way back. And I'll tell you something, this employee, I was speaking to him, he was incredibly appreciative of his boss, of, of his company for having done that for him. And it, it's just a great way to reward employees for a well, job, job well done. That's a great idea. That's a fantastic idea. It's, 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 a, it's a big gest- gesture and very affordable to do. So what a great tip exactly. that is. And, and from, from your perspective, like, do you guys even pay for travel at the Points Guy? Is it, <laughs> is it pretty much you're so clever that you could fund your travel through Points? <laughs> you know, I don't know that we, we necessarily spend all of our, uh, we don't necessarily book all of our travel on points and miles, but yeah, we do book quite a bit of it on points and miles, to be frank. Uh, one of our favorite uh, uh, ways of doing so is using uh, what we call these bank uh, currencies. Uh, these are, I had mentioned before, American Express membership rewards points. Chase has a program that's also excellent called Chase Ultimate Rewards. Citibank has one called Thank You Points. And the reason these bank points are useful is that you can usually turn them into a variety of other airline and hotel points. Uh, Chase Ultimate Rewards, for instance, you can take those points and turn them into United Points, United Miles, or you can turn them into Hyatt Points, or you can turn them into Southwest Points, and you don't have to make that decision until you're ready to use the points, so you really, really need them. In the meantime, they stay flexible, as we say. They're a flexible currency. So that's a very popular way that we use to book travel for the staff here. Uh, and you can earn those points, of course, by spending on credit cards, which at the Points Guy, we're a small business, and, and we certainly use credit cards to pay as many business expenses as possible. That's a that's really a good tip as well. I, I did not realize that you can fle- you can have the flexible points and, and kind of uh, convert them into different use- use- usages. Sorry. Um, Great. And and I'm curious from your perspective or from the points guy, how often do you guys travel? Is it all the time just to get a sense of what's going on or is it, it you're pretty much not doing the 200,000 miles anymore? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't do 200,000 miles anymore. Brian uh, Kelly, the points guy himself, I, he probably does. But I will say all of our staff here, including myself, do travel often. As I mentioned, I just came back yes. from uh, Europe. Uh, actually, uh, as as we're uh, 
uh, talking right now. I think there's at least three of our staff members on the road. One is in Brazil. Uh, another one is actually in Iowa. So we do domestic trips, too, and we review these different uh, flights. We review how is the seat, how is is there power, uh, is there uh, in-flight entertainment, Can you are the movies free. We, we have that sort of information, and we, we post these reviews on the pointsguy.com uh, and so that people can know what kind of flight am I getting into, what kind of hotel room am I going to experience if I go there. That's great. My last question, and, uh, and I apologize, it's going to be quick, but I'm curious on your thoughts on uh, the Airbnb and the homeaways of the world. Is, is that increasing in terms of a trend and competing with hotels, or is that something that you're seeing that's dedicated to a, a specific niche of people? No, that, that is definitely becoming uh, a popular option. Uh, people, I think, a lot of times think feel that an Airbnb is a little more uh, friendly, a little more cozy, a little less corporate, uh, in the same way that uh, Uber or Lyft are, are, some, are oftentimes people using their own cars to drive around. It, it's definitely becoming a, 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 it's definitely a trend in the industry, whether it eventually overtakes hotels. I don't know about that, but it, it's sure. certainly they're here to stay. So. Interesting. Uh, and Julian, if you could just remind our listenership as to where they can get in touch with you, um, th- and I'm sure they're going to want to get more information from the Points Guy. That would be fantastic. Absolutely. The, uh, the, the site is thepointsguy.com. You can find all of our information there. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Points Guy. You can follow us on Twitter at The Points Guy. You can follow us on Instagram at The Points Guy. Uh, and uh, we, we would love to, to see you come on by. We've got lots to share. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Julian. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Nima. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show today. We talked a lot about the financial management and grown-up moments that entrepreneurs have had with Bobby. And obviously, we had some really clear tactical tips in terms of how we can maximize the points, our, our, our different points in terms of funding travel. We look forward to seeing you next week. If you want to continue the conversation, please follow me on Twitter, Sima Vasa, S-I-M-A-V-A-S-A, or follow me on Facebook, same name. Thank you, and and look forward to being back next week. We are so glad you've joined us for the forum. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time with your host, Seema Vasa, on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a good week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 